by reading Psalm 91. And let's go back there for a moment and pick up a couple of thoughts before we get on with today, uh, because it lays a bit of a, a background for where I'm going. Psalm 91, he says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, not very many people even know where the secret place of the Most High is. Uh, we as a church thought for decades it was in Petra. And uh turns out we're wrong on that, and you can't back it up with Scripture. It was a, a Protestant idea that come, somehow got started, really. Uh, but it's not in the Scripture. So we were wrong, and uh, now a few people know where the secret place of the Almighty is, and we can count ourselves blessed for knowing that because not many do. It says there in Psalm, or Psalm, in uh, Jeremiah 50, that they come saying, how do we get there? How do we get to Zion? They're going to find out, some of them, and then they're going to be trying to get there. So they don't know yet, and yet if you're going to have the protections of Psalm 91, you kind of need to know where you're going. Anyway, it says, I will say of the Eternal, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Trust and faith are very synonymous uh, with one another. Can we trust God? Can you trust these words? It says He'll deliver you from all these things that are coming, cover you with His wings. You shall not, verse 5, be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, that's military stuff, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, or the destruction that wastes at noonday. That's what He's telling us, right? A thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. You'll behold the others with this, but it won't come near you. Verse 10, There shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. Because he'll put his angels there to take care of you. Now God says that. Do you... Trust Him. Do you believe Him? Do you have faith that this will come to pass? Now we see all kinds of problems in the world today that eventually will impact the whole world, but specifically the United States. But He promises us protection if we will obey Him. Can we really trust Him? He says so, doesn't he? But it's not human to trust in what they cannot see. It's human to worry. It's human to be concerned. It's human not to lay it on God and say, You said this. I believe it. I'm not going to worry. Really? Let's go back to Psalm 37. I'm going to read a few here. Uh, that essentially say the same thing, and I just picked out a few because they're, the whole Bible's full of them. But here in chapter 37 of Psalms, verse 3, Trust, 
Well, let's start at verse 1. Fret not yourself. Fretting or worrying is just the opposite of trust and faith. So he starts this thought by, Don't fret yourself because of evildoers, neither be you envious against the workers of iniquity. They're going to be cut down soon like the grass, and wither is the green herb. Same thing it says in Isaiah 40 when it says what the message is to be here at the end time. That all flesh is as grass. So, trust in the eternal and do good. So shall you dwell in the land and truly you shall be fed. We're looking at famine and pestilence coming as we read last two weeks ago. Surely you will be fed. Delight yourself also in the eternal, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the eternal. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Do you believe that one? Go on down to verse 25. I have been young, and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Verse 28, For the eternal loves judgment and forsakes not the saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. Verse 34, Wait on the eternal. That means patiently waiting for his answer. And keep his way... And he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. Be there to see it. This is an end time prophecy. Be wholly upright, for the end of that man is peace. And again in verse 40. And the eternal shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Chapter 52. Here let's look at verse 8. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. Do you trust in His mercy? Do you believe He forgives? Do you believe He can have grace and mercy on you? Says He will. Chapter 61, verse 4. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of your wings. So be it. God promises us forever. I was just commenting in a text to Daphne and family this morning that this life down here that we are living has all kinds of suffering. And we have to learn from suffering even as Christ learned from the things He suffered. But that I'm sure glad we don't live very long here. But we can live eternally in peace and safety and no worries. So what is coming is so much better than this. But we suffer in this life. And we learn. 
What are we there learning? Hopefully we're learning to trust in God. And Christ even said, Will I find faith on the earth when I return? Because it is hard for people, human beings, to trust God. Why do you think he put all these verses back here that we're reading? We'll read two or three more. Uh, Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. And here, verse 5. No, that's not the verse I want. 29.25. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoso puts his trust in the eternal shall be safe. We're reading things here that are basically repeats of Psalm 91. If you trust in man, you're in trouble. But if you trust in God, you have nothing to worry about. How much do we worry? How much do we fret? How much do we become afraid? we got a virus in China now that's beginning to spread all over the world. It's killing a lot of people. How afraid are you? He said there's going to be famine and pestilence. But he told us, don't worry. Trust in him. You'll be taken care of. Does that mean we shouldn't prepare ourselves, perhaps to be quarantined? Because in China now they've got upwards of about 80 million now in quarantine. They just quarantined a city of 25 million which is one of the heavy industrial areas of China, and it's very near Hong Kong. And the streets are jammed with people trying to get out of that city and into Hong Kong. And Hong Kong has airplanes flying all over the world. And Hong Kong is the banking center and hub of China. And if it gets locked down, the whole financial system in China gets locked down. And this may spread, it's already spreading to some degree in the world. It's a fearful thing, isn't it, just from a plain old human standpoint? You bet it is. Should we fear? Are we spiritually strong enough and mature enough to say, Yes, O Eternal, I trust you, you will take care of me. I'm not worried. What does a chick do? It crawls under its mother's wings and it feels peaceful and safe there because it has the covert of Mama Hen. God says He's our covert. And Christ even compared to us as chicks and said, how, how much have I clucked at you to come and come under me, but you won't do it. You're trusting in other things. Can we trust God? Are these words believable? Are they believable to you in a spiritual, emotional, physical way? In other words, is this just words or do we believe Him? Huh? Now, you wait patiently if you believe Him. You fret and worry and stew 
if you don't really believe him. Right? Because it's lack of trust, lack of belief. It's what it is. Zephaniah 3. Verse uh, 11, speaking of the future, In that day shall you not be ashamed for all your doings, wherein you have transgressed against me. Are we ashamed of everything we've done that transgresses against God? I should hope we are. But he says that he is going to have a time of forgiveness and mercy and grace toward us. And then you don't have to worry and be ashamed because it's all in the past. For then I will take away out of the midst of you them that rejoice in their pride, and you shall no more be haughty because of my holy mountain. Our vanity, our ego will be set aside. I will also leave in the middle of you an afflicted and poor people, or humble and meek is what the Hebrew really is the force, and they shall trust in the name of the Eternal. Now it goes on in the next two books, Haggai and Zechariah, to describe how those humble and meek people will go on to build his temple, will go on to build Jerusalem, and do the end time work of God. So there are going to be some people somewhere who will trust God. Now Christ covered himself on this by saying, if you won't, I will raise up rocks. Give them life and breath. And they, having just been a rock on the ground, will look around and say, how did I become human instead of a rock? They don't think right now as rocks. But if they raise from a level of rock to human, and suddenly they have consciousness, and Christ says, you were laying there a few minutes ago, and now you're up here breathing. I'm the one that did it. Do you believe me? Yeah. So if we won't, rocks will. (laughs) I don't know what level that puts us on at the moment. But he's looking for people who will be meek and humble and trust him, and he will use them. Do you believe that? How much do you believe it? If we believe it, truly believe it, it should carry over into our conduct. Because we fear God instead of man, and we want to do what he wants us to do to please him so that He will do these things for us that he promises. Now, I read those scriptures to start this because I wanted to drill in the idea that we need to have trust and faith in God. That's what he tells us. Now, the question that remains on the table that we're going to talk about now is how do you know you can trust him? you have to have something to convince you that you should trust him. 
There are very, very few people on earth who believe this book, the Bible. Very few. And even among those who say they do, they only believe a few verses. They don't look at every word of God. They don't understand every word of God. They don't understand the purpose and the plan of God. They, at this point, still don't even know why they're here. Accept the name of Jesus and go sit on a cloud somewhere. That's all they know. I'm reminded of the cartoon where a guy's sitting up there on the cloud. He says, man, I wish I'd have brought a magazine. <laughs> Need something to do. That's their whole view. We're just going to go sit on a cloud. When the Catholic view is a little different, they look through a cloud trying to get a beatific vision, a good, clear vision of God. And they got this cloud in the way, and they can't see him very well through the fog. You ever try driving in fog? How would you like to spend eternity trying to look through fog? <laughs> that's, that's their doctrine. That's what they believe. And the more that their relatives, after they die, pay into the Catholic Church, the more the cloud and the fog disappears. So you have a little better vision of God without as many clouds and fog. That's their official doctrine. Is you, I, don't, I would not look forward to living eternity trying to see through fog as somebody I couldn't really see. So, do we believe these words? Can they be trusted? Very few people do. Very few people pay attention to God anymore. And if they do, it's the wrong God. They don't even know who the true God is. There could be many ways to approach this, and I jotted down a few things, and I could probably find dozens more, but we want to stop this in three or four hours. So I just did a few. But let's look at some examples in the Bible, and compare them with what we see today. Now, if God said something back there, like we read in Psalm 91 and several different Psalms and the Proverbs, if He said something back there, can you believe Him and will it come to pass? Now, there's the test. If what He says comes to pass, that should give you strength, Faith and ability to believe what he says, right? Now, if you have a human friend and they tell you, I'll see you at 8 in the morning, and they don't show up, and they do this to you a few times, you begin to get to the point where I don't believe he's going to do what he said he'd do. You've known people like that. Tell you they'll do something and it never happens. Or it's four hours late, or it isn't quite the same way they said it would be, or whatever. Now with God, He says that every word He speaks is by inspiration of God. This whole book, Second Timothy three twelve. Can we believe Him? Let's look at some things currently going on in the world and then compare it with Scripture. 
Because the world doesn't have this capacity. Once in a while, they'll look at something happening in the world, and it'll remind somebody of a scripture, and they'll say, oh, yeah, and you'll see it in print. But they don't depend on the Bible much, because they just don't really understand it or know it, or know it well enough to even put it together with what's going on. If we have to live by every word of it, then we'd better know every word of it, I guess, and have examined it. <clears throat> All right. The mainstream media lately has been so obsessed with impeachment, and that's about all you've been able to read about for weeks and weeks is impeachment. And nobody can see much of anything else. Now that that's been acquitted, uh, we got this virus coming up, and you know, I still run across people, I'll mention it, and they haven't even heard of it. They don't know that 80 million people in China are quarantined and people are dying. They got their head in the impeachment or something, but not in what's going on in the world. Yet I just read that in spite of all this that is taking people's attention, and they're not paying attention to other things, that the United States, right now, as we speak, is building up forces, military materiel, and everything needed to wage war against Iran. That's what's going on while people are distracted by impeachment or whatever else. You probably hadn't heard that. I read it in an obscure article that follows the military and keeps track of what's going on. And that's what they reported is happening right now as we're preparing to go to war against Iran. Now, we've prepared and gone to war against a lot of countries in the last three or four decades. And Iran is there, an ally of Russia and China, and they call us the Great Satan, and they hate us with every fiber of their being. And there, a few months ago, were things happening where we assassinated one of their top leaders, and they threatened all kinds of uh, problems against us then. Okay? Is that over with? Is it done? Do they hate us more today, if that's possible, than before we kill that man? I expect they do. And they are bound and determined to destroy us. All Israel, not just the United States. I read an article about Sweden, where the age of consent for girls in Sweden is 15, but the Muslims who've moved in there in droves are raping and killing the girls at age 12, 13, 14, and they just sentenced one man for having raped and killed a girl. And he got 20 hours of community service. 20 hours for rape and murder. You see that as a problem? <laughs> and it's happening all over Europe and beginning to happen here. Now what have I been telling you based on Daniel 8 for years? Let's go back to Daniel 8 for a moment. I'll just kind of pick out the highlights here. 
here he saw in a vision, uh, verse 4, a ram pushing westward and northward and southward, so that no beast might stand before him, neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand, but he did according to his will and became great. Now, is that possibly the whole Muslim world with, what, a billion and a half people who pretty well are doing whatever they want to do, wherever they go? They're migrating into country after country after country. They're doing the same thing in Germany they're doing in Sweden. They're doing it in Britain. They're doing it wherever they go. And nobody seems able to stop them, right? He'll explain this in a minute. I'm not just talking through my hat here. And as I was considering, behold, a he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth. So you got a ram who's pushing, pushing. And here you have a he-goat who comes and touches not the ground. I would assume that meant flying, airplanes. And the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. A horn represents power. So this is a big horn, a notable horn. And he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing before the river, and ran into him in the fury of his power. Can you say, uh, oh, what was that phrase they used? Shock Shock and awe, maybe. With great power. And I saw him come close to the ram, and he was moved with collar against him, and smote the ram, and broke his two horns, and there was no power in the ram to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground, and stamped on him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. Now, did we go in and stamp Iraq pretty thoroughly, so that they've not yet recovered? Yeah. But this ram had two horns. Therefore, the he-goat waxed very great. And when he was strong, the great horn, the notable horn, was broken. And for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. So, this goat that flew from the west eventually gets in trouble. Let's move on down to... Uh, the explanation, verse 19. He said, Behold, I will make uh, you know what shall be in the last end of the indignation, for at the time appointed the end shall be. Now, we know Daniel has been sealed up until the end and could not be understood before now. We are coming to the end. Okay, he says, the ram which you saw having two horns horns, are the kings of Media and Persia. Iraq claims to be the bees, and probably are. And we broke their horn. Now, Iran claims to be Persian. They are the Persians. That's what they say they are, is the Persians. And that is indeed probably true. So here you have the Medes and the Persians, two horns on the ram. And the rough goat is the king of Grecia, and the great horn that is between his eyes is uh, the first king. Now how does Grecia fit in there? Are we talking about the nation of Greece over in 
the Mediterranean. They don't have power to do anything. In fact, their economy is in shambles. They have no real military. They have nothing. So this can't be speaking of that country in the end time because there's nothing there that can do anything. Now, in history, the Grecians were considered uh, to be of Israel. They were considered to be from the West. Now, there was a time when people understood that America was the beginning of things and that it would come from the West. And there were Grecians living here. So it's referring to our nation. I have no doubt of that at all. Now, that being broken, whereof four stood up for it, four kingdoms shall stand up out of the nation and not in his power. And in the latter time of their kingdom, the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding, dark sentences shall stand up. And he will stand against God's people. He will stand with what? The abomination of desolation. And you can go on and read that. What this says here, if we go back to verse 9, this little horn uh, came up out of four, toward the south and toward the east, and toward the pleasant land. Where's the pleasant land? The pleasant land is here, the promised land, the original promised land. And it waxed great even in the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and the stars to the ground and stamped on them. And then it says, He is the one who will come and take the daily sacrifice away, set up the abomination of desolation, which we know will be here, because we know the secret place of the Almighty. No one else does. They think this will happen in the Middle East. No, it'll happen here. Because... This goat from the west flies east and takes down the Medes and Persians and then has his horn broken. And it says his land will be divided up into four pieces and this little horn then will be the one who does the desolation. Now if that's going to happen here, then this goat, whether it says Grecia or not over there, has to be us. Can't be anybody else. Because it's our land that's going to be divided and the abomination is going to be set up here. See how much more understanding you have than anyone else? Really. All right. We've been reading this prophecy now for quite some years. And I believe all along it's going to happen. Why are we amassing the military around Iran, right now, as we speak. Can you trust Daniel 8, when you have the understanding you have, to come to pass? We will attack Iran, fairly soon now, here in the end time. We will break the horn of Iran. And their allies will not like it, who are Russia and China, and India, and others. And a lot of the Muslims won't like it. <laughs> There's two brands of Muslims, Shiite and uh, whatever the other one is. 
They won't like it. So we're going to create a lot of enemies when this happens. Well, we've already got them, but we're, just, we're going to put them into a tizzy. It's going to be like some of these Democrats around us today. I saw a little video this morning of a college student down in Texas who was out in public screaming that Trump's throat ought to be split, or slit, I mean. He said all the Republicans need their throat slit, and repeated Trump needed his throat slit. They're going wild. This non-impeachment thing has just made them crazy. Do you think they're through fighting? Do you think they'll say, okay, I guess we'll just concede the election in November? No, I don't think so. They're angrier than they were before. This thing is not over yet. We'll see that as we go along here. Okay. Some of our military leaders have said that we must attack Iran. They're pushing for it. That's something that's happening in the world today. That's something God wrote thousands of years ago. Wow. Is it coming to pass? Is it about to happen? If you look at the build-up and what's going on and the politics of the moment, it appears very likely. We've said we're not going to take anything more off Iran. They've said they're going to retaliate in a big way. That's what's on the table today. So, the announcements have actually been made of war with Iran. Do you believe Daniel 8 or not? Can you trust God? I believe it. It's going to happen. I see it happening. I see it coming. We went to Ezekiel. I want to go back there for a moment today. Ezekiel 5. It's one of the simplest and clearest ones that tells us something that's coming on our nation. After the 430 days of laying on his side in chapter 4, uh, the next event to come is he was to take a barber's razor and cut off his beard and his hair and then take it and smite it with a knife. And we read the scriptures here that says a third of us will die in famine and plague. And a third will go down in the military by the sword. And then a third will be taken into captivity and a sword go after them. That's repeated, as we saw two weeks ago, in many, many scriptures. But right here, it says that. Can you believe it? Do you believe we're going to have plague and famine? This is an end-time prophecy. Did we have a terrible crop this last summer and fall because of terrible weather? Yes, we did. The harvests are way down on corn, soybeans, wheat, even vegetables and so on. Because of the drought in California, the vegetable crop was much diminished. And on and on it goes. Right now, there are plagues of locusts in eastern Africa that are spreading to the west and they're destroying and eating everything in their path. There are people there who will not have food as a result. They're also going across Pakistan, and right at the moment, they're devouring the best agricultural land in Pakistan. 
and they replicate very, very rapidly. There are billions of them, and now they're headed for India. India has trouble feeding themselves on a good day. What's this going to do? We have provided enough food to actually feed many countries in the world who would be starving if it weren't for American food. And now our harvests are beginning to suffer greatly. Now when God says there will be famine and plagues, do we believe it? You know, when you have famine and you don't have enough to eat, then disease spreads. And then you have plagues. God wrote Ezekiel thousands of years ago. This is the end time. Is it happening before our very eyes? Now, this plague that's coming out of China is going to create what? It's going to create famine there. Because people are quarantined. They can't plant crops. They can't work. They have to stay in their houses. They're even welding the doors shut to keep them in. And it gets bigger and bigger. And I don't believe for one moment the official things that the Chinese government is saying about how many are infected and how many are dying. If you've quarantined 80 million people and won't let them out of their houses, it's a lot bigger than they're saying. Can you believe a communist Chinese? Can you believe an American senator? (laughs) You know, I don't trust our government any more than I do theirs. Maybe just a little bit more, but it would be a fraction of a percentage, not much. It is something that could spread around the world globally and kill millions and millions, even billions of people if it got completely loose. And they're saying now that it's not a coronavirus. I'm starting to read reports that it's actually a plague. Uh, Bubonic plague was detected in L.A. among the homeless two or three months ago, and then nothing more was said about it. It's, uh, they call this a pneumonic plague connected with pneumonia. It creates pneumonia and kills you. And apparently is a lot worse than the coronavirus that they've been saying that this is. So who knows what it is? I've read reports that they're even spraying it on China from chemtrails. They can do the same thing here. You got on an airplane, you all breathe the same air, don't you? It goes round and round in the air conditioning system. So if one people on there is sick, aren't they all exposed? On and on it goes. God says here we'll have plagues and famines. Those things are beginning to happen as we sit here. He says there in Matthew 24, which we read two weeks ago, that there would be, at the end, great earthquakes in different places. The amount of earthquakes and seismic action with volcanoes has just gone up exponentially in the last two or three months, and especially in January. Happening all over the world. You know what happens, or has happened in the past, When a huge volcano goes off and just keeps going, it fills the air with particulates that cool the earth down, and then they can't grow crops. They called it the endless winter when that happened. Was it Krakatoa, one of them? And now we've got them going off all over the world. And the 
cooling is going to happen. Global warming will turn to global cooling. And then you won't be able to produce the crops, which will create famine and then pestilence and disease. You believe what Christ said in Matthew 24 as you look around you? Read the reports. Can you trust God that what he says will happen? Christ said that just almost 2,000 years ago. And the whole topic on the table was what will be the signs of the end in your coming. And he said, this would happen. And now, it is. The whole ring of fire is just imploding around the whole Pacific. And in other places. Puerto Rico is getting hammered constantly with earthquakes now. Well, I'm beginning to believe God was right, that Christ knew what he was talking about in Matthew 24. The more I read, the more I believe, hey, you know, he was right. This is happening. Can I trust his word? Well, yeah, looks like he can. We can also look around. I'm going to be turning to Jeremiah 50. We see a lot of political disarray, don't we? Things are more upset and upside down and wild in Washington, D.C. than they have ever been in the history of this nation. When you have people doing treasonous things like tearing up a sitting president's speech and him ignoring and not shaking your hand as is the protocol, and on and on it goes, and senators calling literally for Trump to be killed. They've said it, some of them. We got mayhem in Washington, don't we? And it's spreading all over the country. What does God say will happen here at the end? It says there will be a nation come against us that will be invaded. We'll get to that here in a little bit. And people will say, be saying, how do I get to Zion in verse 5? But let's move on down. Verse 17, Israel is a scattered sheep. The lions have driven him away. First the king of Assyria has devoured him. And last, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has broken his bones. So, looks like some pretty dire things are in store for here at the end. Uh, let's see, where's... How, verse 23, how is the hammer of the whole earth cut asunder and broken? How has Babylon become a desolation among the nations? Who's been the hammer of the whole earth? Nobody but us here at the end. We've hammered on everybody we want to hammer on. He tells us to flee from Babylon in chapter 51 and verse 6 because trouble is coming. Uh, I'm looking for a couple of verses here. They may be in 51. Yeah, uh, let's go down to verse 45 of chapter 51. My people, get you out of the midst of her and deliver you every man his soul from the fierce anger of the eternal. He says, unless your heart faint, he says, I'm telling you what's going to happen ahead of time so you don't get faint hearted. 
so that you don't say we have no hope. Lest your heart faint, you sh- and you fear for the rumor that shall be heard in the land. Now, when we hear of Virginia trying to take away everybody's guns, people get fearful. When we hear that they're going to maybe impeach or assassinate the president, people get fearful. When they say we won't have any food, people get fearful. So you're going to hear rumors in the land. A rumor shall both come one year, and after that in another year shall come a rumor, and violence in the land, ruler against ruler. So right here, in this modern Babylon we live in, it says we'll hear of rumors, people saying we're going to kill each other, congressmen, and then we're going to kill the president. There's a lot of stories about how maybe they'll assassinate him. And it says, lest your heart faint, realize ahead of time there'll be violence in the land. Ruler against ruler. In other words, rulers will start killing rulers. Got to happen. God said so. Now, are we hearing rumors about that very thing today? Is it coming to pass before our very eyes? Did not a Democrat believer come to a Republican baseball game and start shooting the senators that were there? Yeah. Three or four years ago, whenever it was. (coughs) These things are happening. Some of these senators are going to start shooting each other dead. Some mayors, some governors, are going to start shooting each other dead. When you have violence in the land, ruler against ruler, it means violence. Violence leads to death. Don't be faint of heart because you know this is coming. Didn't we read that we should be trusting in God that when all these things start happening in our land, that that's what we'd better do? Uh, I had one. Oh, Hosea 10, verse 14. I want to tie in with this. Hosea 10. Let's go to 13. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because because you did trust in your way, in the multitude of your mighty men. Who does America trust in? Our military. You don't trust in God. We do wicked. We live in our iniquity. And we trust our military to take care of us. Therefore, here's something God states will happen. Therefore shall a tumult arise among your peoples, and all your fortresses shall be spoiled, as Shalman spoiled Bethabel in the day of battle. The mother was dashed in pieces upon her children. That is a prophecy for our nation now, here at the end. There will be a tumult among the people. Well, we've already said the rulers will shoot each other. And it only follows that if the rulers start shooting each other, the populace will also start shooting each other. 
It has to happen. If it gets that violent, people are going to take sides and they'll get their guns out and they'll start killing each other. And it says that our fortresses, our military will be spoiled and brought down. The military will be divided between Republicans and Democrats. And when this violence among rulers, we'll have a tumult of the people, which means civil war. There are people right now who are predicting civil war, very clearly. You see it in articles almost every day if you're reading some alternative news. And it almost occurred in Virginia last month. It's going to happen. It came just that close. Another trigger will occur that will set it off. When these people start talking about slitting politicians' throats and each other's throats, they're very angry. You didn't hear that in this country five years ago, ten years ago. Now it's everywhere. The children will be dashed in pieces. The mothers. That's pretty bad conditions. When the mothers and the children are being dashed in pieces, you don't have a civilized society anymore, do you? Pretty violent. Lest you faint and be afraid, know that this is coming. And we're already seeing it. It hasn't broken out into senators killing each other yet, but it's not far from it. Not far from it at all. Can you believe this scripture? The more I see this stuff happening day by day and read about it, hear about it, the more and more I believe this scripture. This is not only said 25, 6, 7, 800 years ago, we're in the end, and it's happening. Do you trust God yet? <clears throat> Let's go on. Zephaniah 1 talks about a financial collapse. They'll throw the money in the street. Do you see articles, even in the mainstream media now, that we're on the edge of a stock market collapse, that all kinds of things are going to begin to happen? And this is the biggest bubble of economic bubbles that the world has ever known. And when it pops, it's going to bring it all down, not just in this nation, but globally. We are right on the cusp of that happening, and it only needs a trigger to set it off. Even the Chinese economy and the trouble that they're going to begin to go through as a result of the virus that's there could bring it all down. It's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. There are just too many things pointing to it. You go to Revelation 18, and what does it say about us? Or what does it say about us? Here it says there's going to be an economic collapse. This is Revelation. Talks about this great whore, which is America. Same one God talks about in Ezekiel 16. The great whore who's committed fornication in many, many ways with all the nations of the earth. It talks about here how she'll have plagues in verse 4. That we need to get out of the midst of her lest we suffer the plagues that she's going to get. Do you see plagues just around the corner? That virus has already reached America in a few cases. Is it going to get turned loose? I don't know for sure. If it doesn't, another one will come along that will. 
because they planned it. This one was made, created as a weapon. And you think it's the only one they've created? No. It's going to be turned loose. Talks about how she sits a queen, but her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine. Plagues and famine. Not just Ezekiel 5, we find it right here in Revelation 18. And the kings are going to sit back and they're going to weep and wail and mourn in verse 11 because all of the trade has been stopped. Be quarantined. Can't be any shipping going on. No planes going because of plagues and famine. A financial collapse that stops trade. And then it goes on to talk about the military invasion as well. We already saw that in Jeremiah 15 and 51. The king of the north will come against us. So the riches will come to nothing in one hour, it says in verse 17. Believe that? Every financial report I says just screams that this is almost ready to happen. We're on the edge of the cliff waiting for a little push. Did God know what he was talking about when he gave this message to John nearly 2,000 years ago? Lacking just a few now. I believe it. I believe we're going to have a financial collapse. I didn't believe it maybe 50, 60 years ago before I understood these scriptures. But I do now, and I see it coming to pass. I believe I can trust what Revelation 18 says because I see it just about to happen. Signs are all there. <coughs> the whole book of Obadiah talks about how Edom will triumph over, or Esau will triumph over Jacob and laugh at our destruction. They'll have the next to the last laugh. Then God says He's going to destroy them for having destroyed us. Esau, the Edomites, the Rothschilds, red badge of Esau are behind the financial collapse that will finish this country off. Right there in Obadiah. Going to happen. What time is it? They call anyone who says that there's a conspiracy to take over rulership and governorship of the the world and have a new world order and a one government worldwide... A conspiracy theorist. That, in other words, you think, in theory, that this could happen. It won't, but you're a nut who thinks it might. Now, has there ever been a conspiracy in the history of the earth? Do you know what a conspiracy is? It's where two or more people get together and form a plan to do something to somebody. Has that ever happened? (laughs) And have there even been some who conspired to rule the world? Well, let's pick a few out of the air. How about Nimrod? Uh, Napoleon? Caesar? Hitler? Think they wanted to rule the world? Communist China? Yeah. Russia? Yeah. The United States of America? Yeah, undoubtedly. There are people in 
the military-industrial complex that hammer people left and right, and they want total power in the world. And anybody that gets in their way has been hammered. But there's a couple that are too big to hammer. Soviet Russia and China. But they want to. And isn't it strange how so many, many of our air bases are surrounded by Russia? Why did Russia do that? A joke. Why did Russia put all of our bases all around Russia? I don't think the Russians did it. I think we did it. Why? Because we want to dominate and conquer Russia. So there have been conspiracies all along. Did we just see a conspiracy against Donald Trump? Where they all got together and decided to impeach him? Yeah. Did that conspiracy die because they failed? No, it just made them more determined to get rid of him in some other way. Oh, let's look at Isaiah 7. What does God have to say about it? Do you know what is going to happen to our president? Now, it doesn't say which one here. But I think we're getting close enough to the end based on this very prophecy in Isaiah 7 that it's probably the one we've got right at the moment. It says, from a certain point within 65 years, or about 65 years, Ephraim will be broken, that it be not a people. Verse 8 of chapter 7. <clears throat> I think I've pinned that down to about 1954, when the Bilderberger conspiracy to destroy America was hatched in May of 1954 to destroy America. That's their goal and their purpose. And we're just now, right at about 65 years into 2019, since that happened. And the scripture says we'll be destroyed within that time frame, about then. It doesn't say just before, just after, but about then in the Hebrew. Anyway, within that context... It says in verse 16, For before the child that God is sending as a Christ, who he's sending as a sign, before he knows how to choose evil from good, uh, the land that you abhor shall be forsaken of both her kings. President, vice president, because it's talking about Ephraim here being destroyed. So it says, both our kings will go away. Forsaken? Does that mean they're going to leave the country? Well, I doubt it. Uh, it probably means they're going to be killed. Uh, we could go to another scripture here, Hosea 10, in that connection. God's making some pretty specific prophecies here. Hosea, here we go. Chapter 10. Let's start in verse 14. Well, let's, let's go up one verse here for a reason. You have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquity, you have eaten the fruit of lies, because you did trust in your way in the multitude of your mighty men. We trust in our military instead of God. Therefore shall a tumult arise among your people, which we read, 
your mother dashed in pieces. Now let's go down one more verse. So shall Bethel do to you because of your great wickedness. In a morning shall the king of Israel utterly be cut off. In a morning. So this tumult, the civil war, this rulers killing rulers, is going to come down to the king of Israel, Israel utterly cut off. I think God is telling us here that our president is going to be killed. You can expect assassination by his enemies. That's not us. We're not threatening anybody. Have no intention whatever of doing anything with any politician anywhere. If I can in any way avoid it. But it says those who hate him will cut him off utterly. Our president's going to die. It's probably this one, because we are here at the end of days, and they are threatening to kill him as we sit here. If you can't impeach him, you've got to get rid of him. How'd they get rid of Kennedy? Was there a conspiracy to kill Kennedy? Did two or more people plan that? Oh, yeah. Now, let's get back to the thought. I kind of got away from it. But what about a new world order? Is that just a conspiracy theory, or is there a conspiracy? Go back to Revelation 13. Revelation 13. Here is a chapter about a beast and a false prophet that will arise and be given great power. And who can make war with him, it says in verse 4. Great dragon goes on, talks about another beast in verse 11, out of the earth that had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. Wolf in sheep's clothing, sheep's horns. Verse 13, he does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men and deceives them that dwell on the earth by these great miracles that he does. And he causes all, verse 16, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And you can't buy or sell without it. It says a verse here somewhere that says the whole world will bow down to him. My eyes not quite falling on it. But he'll have the whole earth take this sign. That's in this chapter. Uh, You're familiar with it. Oh, yeah, verse 8. All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, listen. Here are two beings who have conspired and have set up a world government. And the whole world, except... The few true Christians are going to worship it, going to accept the mark of the beast. That is a world-ruling empire. Doesn't Daniel describe it and say a great image will arise, but that, and it will take power, but it will have feet of iron and miry clay, that it won't last? Don't we read how the times of the Gentiles will last 42 months, and then they'll be cut off? 
Verse 5, he's given power to continue 42 months. And then he's cut off. So here we have new world order. One government. One world. Two leaders. One political and one religious. They're coming. It's happening. You hear about new world order stuff all the time. I was flying on American Airlines 20, 25 years ago. And some of their advertising was one world. American Airlines, one world. Some of our leading politicians have talked about one world. George Bush Sr. did. Others have. I don't have time to go into all that. But don't you see it happening? The United Nations wants to rule the earth. Think God knows what he's talking about? It's no theory. It is a conspiracy to rule the world. And the scripture says it's going to happen. Except for a very, very few individuals who are written in the book of life. Everyone else is going to accept it. We've already talked about assassination. Hosea 9. Let's go back there in just a moment. See what God says is going to happen. Hosea 9. Uh, verse 13. Hosea 9. Ephraim, as I saw Tyre, is planted in a pleasant place. Isn't this country, hasn't it been a pleasant place? But Ephraim shall bring forth his children to the murderer. Did you hear much about abortion 50 years ago? 100 years ago? Nobody breathed a word about it. Now we have abortion clinics and hospitals set up across the land murdering millions of our babies. Born and unborn. Millions of them. We have turned our children over to the murderers. God wrote that about 2,500 years ago. Can you trust his word? Do you see it happening right now? This is one of the things that's already in full swing. It's not something we're just reading about about to happen. This is one that's just been going on now for two or three decades and getting worse and worse. At first, they could only kill them in, when they were only so far along. Then it got to where they could kill them just before birth. Now, they've said you can kill them even after birth. We've put our children to the murderers. Do we begin to believe God? Hosea 7. I need to go through this whole book of Hosea again, I think. What does he say here? He refers to Ephraim as being like a baker in verse 4. Verse 6, they've made ready their heart like an oven. While they lie in wait, their baker sleeps all the night. In the morning it burns as a flaming fire. They are all hot as an oven and have devoured their judges and their kings are fallen. Our leadership going to die. They're going to fall. Going to be destroyed. There is none among them that calls to me. 
nobody calls on God, the kings and judges are going to fall. What happens when you fall? You're dead. Ephraim he has mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Now, if you're frying a pancake, or like they used to, or making a cake, you didn't uh, put it in a pan and put it in the oven. You cooked it on a flat thing over the fire. And if you didn't turn it, what happened? It stayed white on top, and it got brown and black on bottom. Here he refers to something being baked like a cake not turned. Well, what color do you get? Brown and black. Gentiles come in brown and black. And throw in some yellow. You've seen yellow on the back of a piece of burned bread. We've invited these people in. We're letting them come in by the millions right now. We will not close the border. We will not build a wall. They're coming in by the millions and taking over. No, and I will say I'm not against proper immigration with people who do it legally. But we have people coming in across the border of Canada and across the border of Mexico not just Mexicans, not just Canadians, but people from all over the earth of every color. So we're kind of still white on top, but black and brown are taking over because we haven't been turned. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knows it not. Yes, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knows it not. And the pride of Israel testifies to his face, and they do not return to the eternal their God or seek him for all this. So we're being invaded by peoples of the world from all over. Muslims, Chinese. we got Chinese and Russian troops in America right now. UN troops right now. And we're being devoured. Now they have just announced a new bill that that occasional Cortex woman, what's what's her name, uh, OC, whatever it is, has uh, put out that is going to give illegal aliens who've come here illegally more rights than Americans have. They cannot be deported anymore. And if they've been deported, they will be given passage free, paid by the taxpayers, to come back. And you can't put them in jail if they rape and murder and do all the things that are being done by illegal, illegal aliens coming into this country. That is what is being proposed to go through the House and Senate today. Now, if the U.S. government deported you as a citizen, would they then give you a free ticket to come back? No. Would they protect you from uh, indictment and going to court for your sins and your crimes? They wouldn't protect you from that. But illegal aliens are going to be. 
from whatever country, wherever they come in. By plane, crossing borders, they're coming from all over the world. And we're becoming like a cake not turned, more brown and black and yellow every day that goes by. And now we're passing laws that give them more rights than you and I have. Are we in trouble or what? Did God write that 2,500 years ago and say it would happen? And do you look around now and see it happening? Yes, you do. And it says it's going to get so bad here. I don't remember the scripture now. It says it's going to get so bad here that they're going to run right back where they came from. It'll be worse here in the American nightmare than the American dream promised. So they'll leave. They'll go back where they came from. That's how bad it's going to get here. We were in in Jeremiah 50 and 51, which talks about an invasion. Ezekiel 5 will be cut off by the sword, taken captive. That is about to happen. Let's see, I think I'll take, well, let's get just one more. Romans 1. Romans 1. Here, Paul says, verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Paul is saying God is going to judge the earth. Then he gets specific. He talks about how the invisible things of God are seen through the creation and that we can, we can understand God through the creation. But people have, have uh, perverted that. And they have these imaginations and their foolish heart has been darkened, verse 21. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. In other words, instead of seeing God in the things that he has created, they've begun to worship the created things. Like the earth, Mother Gaia. Like the animals on the earth. And the animals now have more rights generally than people. Shoot your dog, you go to jail. Shoot your wife, eh, you might get off. They are becoming more important than people. And some of these fringe, lunatic, greeny, bunny-hugger people believe that. The animals are more important than we are. And that's why they want 90% of the population of the earth killed. And have said so publicly. And are working on it. I would not be at all surprised if the Chinese turned that plague loose. I wouldn't be surprised at all if our own government turns it loose on us. Because they subscribe to depopulation as well. It says right there in Jeremiah fifty fifty one that our rulers will give a hand in a conspiracy to destroy us. And that this invasion by the Assyrian is set up ahead of time by our own rulers to see us destroyed. 
Now let's go on down. So they worship Mother Earth. Paul said this 2,000 years ago. Has it happened? Yeah, you bet it has. Who exchanged the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the Creator. And because of this, God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use <coughs> into that which is against nature. Homosexuality, queerdom is what this is talking about, <coughs> and how men burned in their lust for each other. Which came first? Beginning to worship Mother Gaia, beginning to put the animals ahead of people, and then homosexuality began to increase exponentially. <coughs> exactly, and in the order in which Paul gave it. Maybe that's about enough. Can you trust God's Word? Can you trust the things He said thousands of years ago to come to pass? <coughs> I'm going to read one more verse to you. Psalm 40. And let's, uh, let's start in verse five, 1. I waited patiently for the eternal. This echoes the ones we read at the beginning. We wait for God, trusting Him. And He inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. Isn't what we've just read about today and described pretty much this? And set my feet upon a rock, Christ, and established my goings. And he put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the eternal. Blessed is that man that makes the eternal his trust and respects not the proud nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O eternal my God, are your wonderful works which you have done. And your thoughts, which are to us, they cannot be reckoned up in order to you. If I would declare them and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. The blessings, the understanding that you and I have been given, and hopefully are written in the book of life, so that we do not accept the mark of the beast and accept their world rule. We trust in God. He's told us, that all these things that he said would happen, and we've shown today, are indeed happening, that he would protect us through it all and take us to his place of safety. What is there to fret and worry about? If you trust God, he will take care of you. Wait patiently for the eternal. Put your trust in him and your problems will go away.